It was the last day of confirmation class before the confirmation mass. My students had all gone to confession. I had reviewed the logistics of confirmation day and answered a few lingering questions. And then I wanted to leave them with something particularly poignant as our last time together as a confirmation class. I'll tell you what I told them coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley. Welcome you back to part two of our three-part series on the search for happiness, a blueprint from the Beatitudes. As I stood before my final confirmation class, I decided to return to a phrase I had oft repeated to them just to drive it home one more time. Always remember, I said, God wants you to be happy. My prayer was that, if indeed they strayed from the faith, whenever they encountered the inevitable misery that life would have in store for them, that at that point they would remember that God desired happiness for them. And that might just be enough to bring a return to faith, a return to church into their minds and hearts. God does want us to be happy, and in the lifelong search for happiness, Jesus has given us a blueprint for happiness in the Beatitudes. Today, day two in our three-part series, we'll take a look at the at blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and blessed are the merciful. Back to guide us through our discussion is our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, a priest of the Oblates of St. Joseph. Father Matthew currently serves as provincial superior and shrine director for the Oblates out of Santa Cruz, California. Welcome back, Father. Good to be with you again. Oh, Patrick, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, let's start just in case people missed day one of the show, which, of course, they can always go back and listen to on our show page at relevantradio.com. In case they missed the first one, though, just a brief overview from you again, Father, uh, just a couple minutes on why does or how does God uh, desire our happiness and why are the why are the Beatitudes a good kind of framework for that happiness? Yeah, I, I love the way the, the catechism describes this. In paragraph 1719, the, the catechism says that the Beatitudes reveal the goal of human existence. <laughs> and I think that's, that's beautiful. You know, they, they respond to our natural desire for happiness, which I, I think is so, I mean, so crucial that Jesus uses happiness to draw us into his teachings, right? He he knows there's a desire for happiness. And so he says, well, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, you need to be meek. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, you need to be merciful, etc. Mm -hmm. as we're going to unpack a little today. Yeah. Uh, so what we were speaking yesterday about the fact that the, the Beatitudes really give us this, this roadmap and, and it's rather paradoxical, right? I mean, it's rather difficult to, to, to grasp at least with our, our limited reason, because they don't always seem to, to make sense. Blessed are the meek. How is that a good thing if I'm right. meek and humble of heart? Exactly. Um, but they do. They do lead us to a greater awareness of, of God's kingdom and entering into his kingdom. Right. And, and that's exactly it, is that I, I appreciate that you pointed out that kind of paradoxical existence of the Beatitudes, that they seem to go against some of our natural inclinations, especially when we are seeking uh, what we think, anyway, what will make us happy. And maybe that's a, just a little 
clue for us right there from the outset that some of these things will take some thinking through and will take some practice in order to get down. So, well, without further ado, Father, let's get into it because we've got three very important Beatitudes. Well, they're all important, but three important Beatitudes to cover today in our hour together. So the first up is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, Meekness, um, many of our listeners may be familiar with it, but I think it's good just as a reminder to go through again, What, who are the meek? I mean, what is what is meekness, Father? Yeah, meekness is this very curious quality that, that most of us don't, um, don't ascribe as a virtue, which is to to not exert power, right? It's a, it's a, a form of humility in which we don't seek to control, but instead we allow God to be in control. Um, and it's really a, a very, uh, well, humbling kind of thing to do, right? To say, well, I'm, instead of asserting my will, instead of trying to strive to be in control or to get what I want, I am going to, I'm going to let God be in control of my life. And it goes, it goes against every fiber of our being. Really, right. I mean, our, yeah. our, our, we, we want to be in control. We want to, to, to have the reins in our hands and to, to decide where our life is going. But interestingly, you know, Jesus teaches us that, well, in fact, if you, if you want to inherit the earth, right, it's going to mean that you let God be in control. It's, it's going to mean that you don't assert that, that power and will over the earth, but instead humbly accept uh, you know, a, a more uh, a place of of less power, of less control, and let God be in control. Yeah, and that's just it. Like what you said, it, it is it is so counter again, counterintuitive, counterinstinctive for us to let God be in control. And yet, I mean, we see that so often, don't we? Um, I, I'm I'm going back all the way to uh, last week now in the feasts of Saint Thomas More and Saint John Fisher. And meekness, I, I guess I want to throw this past you, Father. Is this an example of meekness when St. Thomas More writes, nothing can come but what God wills, and I am very sure that whatever that be, however bad it may seem, it shall be the best. Is that, I mean, is that kind of an attitude of meekness in that? I, I think it's a fantastic example of, of meekness, right? It's a trust in, in divine providence. It's a trust that, God will, that God's will will be done, you know, when we allow him to do that. Um, being meek even sometimes means allowing something evil to happen in my life rather than to force some fix that I want. And that, that can be a little difficult to, to grasp. I'm not saying that we should just uh, never try and, and overcome evil or never try and fix problems in our life, but bad things happen to us, right? Sin uh, is present in the world and active and evil uh, is around us. And sometimes what meekness means is to is to live in the midst of that evil and to um, and to accept that God can bring good out of it. And that's wasn't that exactly what St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher did. I mean, they were in yeah. this terrible situation, trying or challenged to choose between King and God. Yeah, uh, and right. Thomas More said, no, "I don't have to do that. Right? I can. I can." Be obedient to my king, but also be obedient to God. And then, of yeah. course, he was martyred for it. Um, but God's will would be God would be glorified even in that, because now here we are honoring Him. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's fostered some great devotion and uh, fostered faith amongst the followers of Christ. So mm. we are grateful for that. Our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Spencer, and he is leading us through this blueprint for happiness given to us in the Beatitudes. Specifically today, right now, we're talking about blessed are the meek, so that for they shall inherit the earth or inherit the land. If you have a time in your life when you were able to exhibit uh, a modicum of meekness. We would love to hear about that. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the phone number to call. Or if you have a question about a particular situation, perhaps, and how do I respond in a meek manner? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine or inner life at relevantradio.com is our email address. All right. So, Father, also the meek, if we're able to, again, somehow through God's good grace, able to conjure up a meek response um, to some of these situations that seem to elicit from us a more uh, a more violent or perhaps uh, un, unreasoned response than meekness. Um, it says the, the uh, resultant, Jesus says the result of this is that they shall inherit the earth or they shall inherit the land. Um, so what is that talking about? What does it mean to inherit the earth or to inherit the land? Uh, this I see as a, as a as a fulfillment of the promise given to God's people when He freed them from the slave from slavery in Egypt. Right, so uh, centuries ago, His people were under the despotic rule of Pharaoh, and He sends Moses to free His people. He leads them through the Red Sea, crossing the Red Sea into the wilderness where they wander for forty years, but always with this this awareness that there is a place for them in the world, that there is a land that has been set apart for them. And although it takes them 40 years to get there, they, right. uh, they know that they, there is a promised land in their future. And I really believe this beatitude is hearkening back to that same promise. Although the promised land that you and I have is, is far better than just some region of geography in the Holy Land. And I think that's that's important, not to spiritualize this too much, but I would say that um, God is not promising us 40 acres in you know the Midwest if we happen to be meek, right? He's not promising us a physical location here. <laughs> okay, he's he's yep. saying he's saying to us, look there, I will grant you the promise that I, I gave to my people thousands of years ago. Uh, and really, for us, of course, that that's fulfilled ultimately in heaven. But even even here, even here on earth, I'd say when we are meek, we are given everything that we need to continue in our mission in the world. Right. So we will inherit all that we need to fulfill our vocation and to fulfill our Christian mission here, which is kind of getting to the whole the whole sense of of the challenge to be meek. That is. We think that, well, if I'm meek, if I don't push for what I want, then probably I'm not going to get what I want. And maybe I'm right. going to have to live my life with less than I need. And Jesus is saying, no, no, the Lord will provide for you, right? If you're meek, if you allow him to provide and be in control, then he will make sure you have not only what you need, but even an abundance. Uh, but of course, the real, the real abundance we're waiting for is in heaven. Yeah, well, that is the abundance, of course, that we uh, we await with uh, 
With bated breath and uh, meekness is one of those things, one of those practices that we need to cultivate in our lives to help us to get there. Again, mm. by the grace of God at work within our lives. But it seems to me that meekness is indeed, of, of all the Beatitudes, well, all of them can be practiced in order to become more adept at them. And it seems like meekness is uh, f- perhaps foremost at the top of this list, Father, because when we're confronted with some sort of situation, particularly of evil, of wickedness, if there is something there, then I know my first response is not one of meekness. But then oftentimes the objection is comes up that, well, if I don't respond to this in a way that, uh, you know, puts the other, the perpetrator in his or her place, if I don't respond out of this kind of vitriol that uh, whatever is happening to me stirs within my soul, then I'm basically just being, oh, the classical phrase, I'm being a doormat. So is meekness equivalent to being a doormat? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, meekness does not take away our dignity or or simply um, simply subject ourselves to others for the sake of subjection, as if that was a good thing. Meekness uh, is saying, well, I'm not going to assert my my will in a certain situation in a way that's inconsistent with God's. With God's will. Let, let me give you an example. So, Please, yeah. in my religious community, we get reassigned, right? So we go from one parish to another. We go from one assignment to another, and the process of of selecting that assignment is a rather involved uh, process, right? I mean, we have conversations. We uh, we look to see whether a particular priest or religious has the facility to do some new assignment. Uh, we we try to have a dialogue with the one who will be assigned. Ultimately, there is obedience, and the superior will say, well, I need you to do this, and the priest might not want to, but in obedience, he'll say yes. But it would be a, it would be a dereliction of his responsibility if that priest said, well, I'm no, not going to express at all what I want. I'm not going to share what I think would be best. I'm not going to even reveal the, some tiny inclination of my heart. Because that's not that's not mutual dialogue and an arrival at a decision, and I think when it comes to meekness, it doesn't mean uh, just biting our tongue and never speaking. It doesn't mean pretending that everybody else can do what they want and I can't do what I want. No, there are many times where we have to speak up. There are many times where we have to share our will. But also, what it means is to be careful to not push that so strong that I'm I'm missing God's the opportunity that God might be putting in front of me for humility or for bearing my cross or for accepting the privations that he allows in my life. It is I mean this is a really hard thing, right? Patrick, I mean you're yeah. asking a really good question. How do we find that balance between well, um trying to involve myself in a process or telling people how things should go or defending people when that's the when that's a responsibility of mine? Uh, but on the other hand, being meek and and not trying to be too forceful in life, this is I think it's always a dynamic process of trying to find what is the healthy way to live that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and and that process is something again that I think we can we can grow in our understanding of and in our practice of in cooperation with the Holy Spirit at work within us as we respond mm-hmm. in meekness to those things around us. Any examples or any thoughts of saints who have either demonstrated meekness, Father, or that we could turn to for help in developing meekness in our own lives? You you know what I've been thinking of, Patrick. It's it's yeah. interesting to me as as we've been preparing to to ponder the Beatitudes yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
Um, Jesus, of course, is the perfect embodiment of the Beatitudes, right? So Jesus, of course, was perfectly pure in spirit. And Jesus, of course, also mourned. Um, yeah. Jesus uh, certainly uh, hungered and thirst, thirsted for righteousness. But meekness is one of the few attributes in the Beatitudes that Jesus by by word ascribes to himself right he never says well i am mourning he never says well <laughs> i am i am a peacemaker right he is a peacemaker right. of course yeah, he does yeah, mourn yeah. but when it comes to meekness it's one of the few places in the beatitudes where we can see that he said come take up your yoke and follow me for take out take my yoke upon you and follow me for i am meek and humble of heart i mean he mm. directly ascribes this quality to himself and I think he has to be our example in in uh, learning meekness. And I think that gets to the balance that that we are just referring to. You know, on the one hand, when Jesus saw the defilement of the temple, he uh, he had to do something about it, and he made a whip out of cords and he drove out, you know, the those who were defiling the temple. But then, when it comes to his passion and death, he he very humbly, meekly, even though it was very in, unjust. I mean, that's the understatement of of the of, yeah, of right. creation, right? <laughs> but um, but he he accepted that uh, that that grave judgment against him in meekness, right? Because he knew that it would lead to salvation. So I see in Jesus the perfect embodiment of all the beatitudes. But meekness, in a special way, I think we can learn from him because he shows it at every moment, at every encounter in his life. Mm, yeah. Well, we can never go wrong turning to the Lord and mm. really finding our happiness within him and in his, his uh, example, his grace, his love, and everything uh, with us in, in meekness. And yeah, it's it's tough, and it's a it's a tough as we're faced with these situations. It's tough sometimes to know, as you were saying, Father, this balance uh, about how do we how do we respond appropriately, meekly to these situations. But I love the invitation that you've brought up, Father, that Jesus Himself gives. You know, take my yoke upon you. For you know, it's easy. My task is easy. My burden is light. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, very good. I think that rounds out well our discussion of meekness. Um, and when we're looking at the Beatitudes as our blueprint for in the search for happiness with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. Coming up after the break, we're going to tackle, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? And you sense that in your own life. If you, if so, or if you have a question about how to do so in, to, in a more profound degree, give us a call, 888 Nine four, excuse me, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine, or send us an email if at relevantradio.com. Going to take our short break now, but more with the Beatitudes with Father Matthew Spencer right after this. Today we'd like to thank Fred, who is listening in Louisiana, for donating his nineteen sixty eight Kaiser M thirty five. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. That's RelevantRadio.com slash car. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus It is indeed a happy day when we are living our lives in accordance with the Beatitudes, the teaching of Jesus, of course, all, all along empowered by him 
in the Holy Eucharist and in the Holy Spirit he's given us in the grace that he pours out so abundantly upon our lives. We are talking today about the search for happiness in day two of our three-part series on the Beatitudes with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. And up next, Father, is this, again, a great, uh, great thing for pondering here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, I think all of us are very familiar. Uh, we're uh, certainly here in the Midwest. We're coming up on lunchtime here. So uh, very familiar with what it means to be hungry and thirsty, right? <laughs> but um, to hunger and thirst for righteousness... What are we talking about there? Yeah, this is a this is a beautiful beatitude because there there could be many shades of of meaning to it, and I think all of them are are appropriate and even intended by Jesus. For example, uh, there might be a thirst for justice or righteousness in social issues, right? So we see people persecuted for the practice of their religion. We see that um, people's lives are not respected and their dignity is not honored. Uh, we see the plight of, of the unborn in, in our society today. And so we see these injustices and this lack of, of righteousness and we hunger and thirst for change, right? And I think that's, that's appropriate here. And, and certainly we pray that, you know, there's an end to these, these uh, social societal ills uh, and the Lord promises, right, that, that uh, if, we, if we hold on to that hunger, that we will be satisfied. But I think also the, this beatitude can apply to, to us in other ways. For example, we hear throughout all of Scripture that uh, certain individuals were righteous. Uh, the patriarchs were righteous. They were just men. Yeah. Uh, some of the some of the prophets in in the Old Testament were referred to in that way. Saint Joseph was called the just man. So we can also think about hunger, hungering, and thirsting for our own righteousness, our own justice, our own holiness. Right, and that's that's also very important. That's also very necessary for us. Um, uh, in this world, of course, and it's not only about pointing the finger at injustice outside of me, but also to to look and see, oh wow, there's there's some lack of justice within my own heart, right? That is to say, there is some evil that is still there. There is some sin that is that still uh, coexists with with the goodness that that we are. And yeah. and if I hunger and thirst for conversion in my life, then I can um, then I will be satisfied, right? The Lord will grant me that great gift. So I think that, that we can see this beatitude in, in a number of different ways which are helpful for us. And I think we should be hungering and thirsting for righteousness in the world. And yet it's not only about societal change. It's also about the transformation of, of my own heart that I might become a just and righteous person. And it occurs to me, Father, that uh, if we don't do the second point first, then our our the first point that you made this hunger and thirst for societal change um, can get skewed. I mean, uh, certainly there are many many out there who would clamor away in many types of ways for an idea that they may have of this is what really constitutes justice that actually goes against Christ and His teaching, right? Yeah, that that's absolutely right. I mean, we heard in the gospel just yesterday. Uh, Jesus says, before you try to take the splinter out of your, your brother's eye, take the log <laughs> right. out of your own eye. Yeah. Um, if we don't undergo this conversion first, or at least as a starting principle, then 
our ability to help others or to change the world or to contribute to the 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 building up of of the world is going to be very limited you know and so we we do need to experience this conversion simultaneously i wouldn't say we we wait until we're perfect because if we waited until we were perfect then the world wouldn't wouldn't be changed at all we have to work on both of them at the same time but i do believe that our own conversion uh, really must uh, must precede uh, the process of that conversion must begin prior to us believing that we can change the world talking about the Beatitudes as a blueprint in the search for happiness with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. When was a time when you hungered or thirsted, particularly after righteousness, after justice in the world? What did you do? How did you live that out? Or how did it manifest itself in your life? If you have a story to tell, we'd like to hear it. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Well, okay, Father, if this is one of the one of the Beatitudes, one of our blueprints for happiness here, then how do we foster this hunger and thirst? I mean, obviously, in a physical realm, um, when we're wanting to, if we were to want to make ourselves hungry or thirsty, we would deny ourselves food or drink for a while. So what do we do to foster a hunger and thirst for righteousness? Yeah, I think that's a great, great question to ask ourselves, because you know, the, the first four Beatitudes that we've considered, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, uh, and, and now this fourth one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, are, are really, um, they, they're, they come about through detachment, right? So they come about, to be poor in spirit means we're going to be detached from material possessions, to, to mourn means we're going to be detached from the need for immediate comfort, or, or consolation. To be meek means we're going to be detached from that need for honor or for power. And for to hunger and thirst for righteousness means we're going to be, be uh, detached from our maybe our own ability to fix that, right? Because hunger is not something that we can take away on our own. We need food to accomplish that, right? Uh, and I think by by looking at this as a type of detachment, we realize, well, it's not the laws that I make that, that are going to fix it. It's not the the protests that I do that are going to solve it, although th- these might be important steps along the way. But it's really going to be the hand of God that will be the food to satisfy my righteousness to, or to satisfy, I should say, my my hunger and my thirst. Mm-hmm. Um and I think if we look at it that way, then we'll realize that, okay, I need to be aware then that this is a need that the world has and a need that my, my own soul has for conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the best ways we do this, Patrick, are through yeah. personal prayer, right? So in personal right. prayer, we start to really come to, to see ourselves uh, in, a more, in a clearer way. We see that we're not as holy as we want. We see we're not as... Uh, not as virtuous as we need to be. We see even just our attention span isn't as good as it should be. And personal prayer really reveals, helps us to know ourselves better, which will then lead to a greater hunger and thirst for conversion on our part. Okay. And then we also have to look at the world and see all the evils and, and struggles that are happening in the world and then work to be attentive to the needs of others. How easy it is for us to to ignore, say, the unborn or to ignore those who don't have housing and don't have the basic necessities of life like food and, and uh, shelter. 
because they're they're far from us. But if we if we get involved in other people's lives, if we get involved in movements where the most vulnerable's the needs of the most vulnerable are being attended to, it it will foster within us this this hunger and thirst for justice here. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's about involvement, it's about personal prayer, it's about us connecting with with the needs of those around us, which then leads us to to want uh, change in the world and in ourselves. And as I hear you speaking, Father, I, it's already occurring to me how interwoven these Beatitudes are, aren't they? Because when you say, look at the mm-hmm. world and see the evils around us, then one of the first responses that I think of is that of mourning. Um, and we covered yesterday, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That perhaps, maybe, that mourning and hungering and thirsting for righteousness can kind of go hand in hand, especially when we look at the uh, evils in the world around us, can't they? Yeah, it's an interesting observation. I would say even to be meek is is to sure, uh, accept right. the evils that are around us, right? To be poor in spirit means to accept that we won't have everything that we we yeah. desire in our life. So yeah, in some way, these especially these first four are all responses to the presence of evil in the world, and and to not lose sight of the fact that it's only God who can fix them. It's only the Lord who can bring about good out of them. And instead of trying to fix things ourselves or to assert our own domination over things, we're going to mm-hmm. trust that the Lord will provide for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Again, our spiritual director today and tomorrow, as well as yesterday, is Father Matthew Spencer as he leads us through the Search for Happiness, a blueprint from the Beatitudes, covering three important Beatitudes today. And right now we're talking about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they are blessed, for they shall be satisfied. If you have a way or a time where you have hungered and thirsted after justice, after righteousness, after the right order that Jesus has come to bring, tell us what that was like and how it bore fruit in your own life and the lives of those around you. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. All right, Father, let's turn to the second half of this beatitude, for they shall be satisfied. I mean, again, it's hard for me to imagine that perfect justice, perfect righteousness that we'll ever see here on the face of this mortal life. But um, at the same time, there is still this uh, understanding of hope. But may we still seek some, will there be some partial satisfaction of that even in this uh, earthly life? You know, I think even in the most abject injustice, you know, I'm thinking of, say, St. Uh, Maximilian Kolbe, who was, you know, in Auschwitz and, and just saw all of the terrible crimes and sins against, against Jewish people and others as well, right? Not to mention against himself. Uh, and it's um, perhaps for, for an outsider easy to, to conclude that, well, there was no there was no satisfaction or restitution there was no justice that he saw there uh, but you read his life and he i mean he died singing hymns to those around him and within his heart right within his being there was a peace there was an awareness that even if he didn't experience justice and peace or i'm sorry justice and righteousness legally or societally or from those around him, uh, he knew in his heart that all was well, right? He knew in the very fabric of his soul, he knew that, that, um, that he was in a, a good spot, even though he was mm-hmm. suffering. 
and he tried to bring that that consolation and good news to his fellow prisoners. Um, so even even when we fail to see justice in this life, um, I think for the Christian, we recognize that it's not only about changing laws or it's not only about restitution being done to me. It's about a, a peace of mind and soul that is found in right relationship with God, which, which kind of goes back to what you and I were speaking of. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness of our soul, when we hunger and thirst for our own personal holiness and conversion, then we can certainly be satisfied even in this life, right? We can certainly experience great conversion, and it's certainly what God desires of us. When it comes to other other things, we may or may not see it. You know, Cardinal yeah. Von Tuan, for example, was in solitary confinement in, you know, Vietnam prison camps for, I think, eight or 13 years, something like this. Uh, and eventually he was freed and eventually the world recognized how unjust it was. And eventually he, he would go on to write about his experience and, and you know, uh, he saw some, some modicum of justice and righteousness there. But uh, not everybody will see that. But that doesn't mean that we don't begin to, to experience the, the, the fullness of righteousness even now because it's happening within our soul and it's happening within our relationship with God. Okay. Yeah. Very good. If you have a way that you have hungered and thirsted after righteousness, if you have uh, seen that bear fruit in your own life, or you have a question about how to do that within particular situations in your own life, give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Sue, who's called in from Illinois. Sue, thank you for calling The Inner Life. Welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say, it's like I'm waiting for justice. My husband was shot randomly two years ago and the bullet is still lodged in him close to his spine mm -hmm. and we know where the bullet came from and we know it came from a neighbor but i don't think it was deliberate but it was just something they did randomly and he was shot and the problem is now they found something in my husband's pancreas and they can't do an mri to find out what it is because of this bullet and it's hard for us to say is that justice, you know, our our neighbor, we look at them and uh, now I look out the window and I have a lot of anger in me and I just don't know how to let go of it. Mm. Well, I, I would say um, hang tight because we're going to be talking about being merciful and that will, that will, we'll get to some of this question. But uh, first of all, I mean, Sue, thank you for, for sharing that experience. And um, it, it is a cross, right? It is a challenge that you and your husband are called to bear. It's it's interesting to me, you know, that Jesus says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness," uh, meaning that that we have to we have to pine for it, right? We have to strive for it, we have to long for it, and which is kind of what you're doing right now, right? You're you're longing for it, and it's important to not let that waiting turn to resentment or let that waiting turn into impatience uh not that it has in your life sue it's just that's the temptation that we all have as we're thirsting and hungering for something we can we can become irritable we can be up we could become upset and the process of of waiting and longing for it uh can can undermine our our own conversion i would say you know the lord's given you this particular experience and there's a process that that 
that he can use to bring about greater holiness in both you and your husband because you'll see that well even though we might not um, experience immediate justice or uh, even justice soon uh, we can still long for it still desire it but also still be meek and trust that the lord's in charge and the lord's going to bring about that justice in his own time frame uh, what's what's up to us is to continue thirsting and striving after it. Sue, thank you for the phone call. And one of the things that your call brings up to my mind is that uh, just what we've said already, Father, that this this stuff isn't easy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not something we just say, oh, flip a switch and okay, suddenly I'm hungry and thirsting after righteousness. Suddenly I know how to respond meekly in all these different situations that are very important and um, pretty tragic situations like what Sue has described for us. So... Um, happiness doesn't come easily. It comes at a price, right? Most Mm. particularly the price of our Savior hanging on the cross. But uh, as we seek to model ourselves after his example, um, then that's what we're doing. We're we're seeking to become everything that the Lord has for us and has made us to be. That's what we're talking about here in day two of our three-day series on the search for happiness, a blueprint from the Beatitudes with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. As Father Matthew told us, coming up next after this break, we're going to be talking about the merciful and how blessed they are and why. What will they receive from God and how will that contribute to their happiness? So if you have situations in your life where you are challenged to be merciful or you're finding it difficult in which to be merciful, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. More of the inner life and the Beatitudes coming up next. You can support Relevant Radio in many ways. Joining a giving society, donating a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. Donate now at RelevantRadio.com slash property. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, who is producing the show for us today, and Sarah Tafoya taking your phone calls, as well as our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, who's leading us through this three-day series. We are on day two of a three-day series on the search for happiness. Are you happy in your life, or are you seeking greater happiness? How can we find out more about how to be happy and how God would have us be happy by looking at the Beatitudes? And Father, we turn now to another wonderful beatitude. And it occurs to me, Father, we should have made this an eight-day series because I think we could get a show out of each one of these. I I was thinking the same thing (laughs) as we started the show today. I thought, my goodness, yesterday we had a hard time fitting two in an hour. How are we going to fit three in an hour? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing okay. We've got got a solid 12 minutes or so to get through. (laughs) Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, we use, mercy is one of those terms that we use in a lot of different uh, ways in our church. I'm not saying that they're unrelated, but uh, you know, we we pray in our liturgy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. But we also talk about things like the corporal works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy. Um, so what are we talking about in terms of uh, what is Jesus talking about when he says, blessed are the merciful? Who are the merciful? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, the the merciful are those who show mercy, of course. Uh, but I think we have to start first by the fact that we need mercy, right? So, um, good point. I think in order to be merciful, uh, we as human beings have to experience mercy. I mean, whenever we pray the Our Father, we pray, forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we're, we're, we're connecting our own forgiveness from God to our own forgiveness of others, right? And so we're even conditioning our own forgiveness on how merciful and forgiving we are to others. Uh, and in my experience, you know, as just as a human being, as a Christian, uh, in order for me to be merciful to others, I first have to realize well, I've, I'm the recipient of mercy. I'm the recipient of God, God's grace, which has overlooked my my sins, even looked upon my sins and said, I'm not going to hold them against you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, there's something so empowering about being forgiven, about receiving God's mercy that makes it possible for us to be to be instruments of mercy to others. Mm. Uh, and I think that's how we get to be to be merciful is by ourselves realizing how how much in need of God's mercy we we are. So in some ways, this this beatitude, when Jesus says, "Blessed are the merciful," he's also saying, uh, "Well, if if you're merciful, then that means you've received mercy too." So blessed are those who received God's mercy, and then as a result of that, become merciful. I might I might expand it to yeah. say. Um, uh, and I think this is important because we all struggle to show mercy. I mean, we were just talking to Sue. Um, right. what, a, what a tragic situation of her husband who was shot and now can't receive the proper health care, medical care he needs because of a bullet that's still lodged in his body. And how do we forgive you know, the person who caused that? Uh, well, I, I think the way that we, we work towards greater forgiveness and greater mercy towards others is by ourselves realizing that we also have fallen short. Maybe not in that way, maybe in a different way, but based upon the grace we've received, oftentimes in just as grievous a way, right? We've mm-hmm. we've received uh, just so many graces and yet we've spurned them and turned away from God's love and we have to turn back constantly to receive his mercy so that we ourselves can show that mercy to others. Yeah, as you said, Father, the the scriptural stories just are coming flooding to mind of like the ungrateful, the parable of the ungrateful steward who is forgiven this mm. large amount and then turns around and doesn't forgive a much smaller amount that he is owed. Mm. Or the time when in the house of Simon the Pharisee, when Jesus is having his feet bathed and kissed and by uh, an quote unquote unholy woman. Right. And um, he Jesus teaches, uses it as a teaching moment with Simon and says, you know, he is forgiven much, loves much. Right. And so there is this understanding that, yeah, I, I think it fits scripturally perfectly that the greater we understand our need for God's mercy, the more merciful. And perhaps if I'm not wrong on this, the less judgmental we might be towards others and the more apt to show mercy towards others. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Basically, I think that? so. Yeah, yeah, I think those are great examples. I mean. Uh, we know Jesus has said, as you as you point out, he said it in so many different ways. The way with which you the the way that you measure out will be measured sure. out to you. For example, right. he says, right? Yeah. I mean, over and over and over again, God is telling us to that He loves us, that He will be merciful to us, but also that we need to be merciful to others. And it's one of I mean, it, it, it's a it's a challenging dynamic to live because we all know how much we need God's mercy. I mean, we we live in a time when I think we we recognize that mercy. Uh, we recognize, I should say, our need for God's mercy. This is why the, the Divine Mercy devotion is so popular in our times. It's why people turn so quickly to to God's divine mercy because we we recognize 
just deep down how much we need it. Mm-hmm. But with that, with that great generosity of God's uh, mercy that he pours out to us, there's also this responsibility that he gives us that we have to extend that same mercy to others. But then notice, Patrick, because we're talking about this beatitude, if we're merciful towards others, then we will be shown mercy. <laughs> so yeah, right. it's, it's this cyclical process that the more merciful I am, the more mercy I'll receive. The more mercy I receive, the more merciful I'll become. And it will, it will transform the world if we can create that, that process uh, in our life, right? And it seems to me that that, that seems to be an ongoing divine uh, kind of economy there in, in many of the divine attributes, right? So the more that we give it away, the more we receive. When we show ourselves kind of faithful stewards of the divine attributes, then the more we're given them. So uh, th- that seems to make sense, whether it be mercy or love or peace or whatever it is, that the, the more we give it away, the more we receive it so we can continue to give it away. We're speaking about the uh, the... Well, the Beatitudes as a Blueprint for Happiness with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. And specifically right now, we're talking about blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you have a chance or if you have a story in your life where you have had a chance to be merciful, then we'd love to hear what that, how that happened. Or maybe you have a question about how to be merciful in a particular situation that you're facing right now. Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. As we as we think about this, Father, now the obvious thing comes up, and I and I really do again appreciate that. Yes, we need to focus on how much we are in need of God's mercy. Nonetheless, I'm sure that there are those out there who are facing a situation where they are finding it really difficult, maybe even impossible, to offer forgiveness. Um, what do you say, especially um, you know, as a as a priest, as a as a pastor of the Lord? What do you say? To a person who is in that kind of a situation. Well, as we've been saying, Patrick, all of the beatitudes are are not so intuitive logically for us. There's a paradox in all of them, and they are a blueprint for happiness. And that should help us to see that to be merciful is a path to happiness, which is really, which is really not what we feel like when we're trying to forgive, when we're trying to extend mercy to somebody. What we feel like is we're doing them a favor, or we feel like we're we're having to deny our thirst for justice. Right? We feel yeah. like we're, we're we ourselves are suffering when we are being merciful towards others. Yeah. But I think what what is really important to remember and and really essential to this beatitude and to the whole idea of mercy in general is that to be merciful uh, itself is a path to happiness for us. And why is that? Because uh, when we become, uh, when we try to become the judge of others, when we try to become the arbiter of justice Mm -hmm. in other people's lives and say, well, I'm not going to let you off the hook until you've done this, that, and the other thing, uh, then we've overstepped our bounds of of who we are, of of the of what capacity and responsibility we even have. We've gone beyond what wh- who we should be. I mean, we know that Jesus is the only judge, and we can't sit in His place. And when we try, then we're we're never going to be happy because we'll never find perfect justice, and we'll never be able to see people's hearts, and we'll never be able to solve solve these issues of justice. So to be merciful, really, as hard as it is, is a path to happiness, believe it or not. It is a path to joy. 
when I can learn to not hold somebody's sins against them, when I can learn to look upon the sinner who maybe even hurt me grievously and simply not hold it against them, not let them be in control of my life, not let them decide how I'm feeling inside, when I can let go of all of that, it's amazing. I can be happier, right? And, and we really see this in the saints. I mean, we really see this in, in those who have shown great mercy because we can see how happy they are. I mean, I'm thinking of John Paul II, right, who had an attempt on his life Right. Uh, he had every natural right to be upset, angry, and resentful, even maybe at this person. But of course, he didn't hold this against his uh, the attempted assassinator. Uh, he went to prison and met with him in person and forgave him. Uh, I mean, he was this instrument of mercy and was no doubt so much happier because of it. Right. So my my advice to people who are struggling to to forgive is to encourage them to realize that, yeah, this is this is something you're doing for the good of the other. But let's face it, this is going to be good for you too. When you can learn to do this, you're going to be happier. So do this for your own happiness as well. Do this not just because God says you have to, not just because you know you you know it's important, but because you want to be happy and you want to experience freedom. Yeah, very good. Well, Father, just uh, about a minute or so before we ask for your blessing, but I, I wanted to get your take on this. We had an email come in from an anonymous listener in Michigan, and I think it wraps up well these three uh, Beatitudes that we've talked about today and how maybe to apply them in this particular situation. She says, our local library hosted a viewing of movies to teens and young adults about uh, LGBTQ plus uh, group this month, this Pride Month of June by showing this movie, the library is adding to further the confusion of our children, teens, and young adults. And there's a stirring in her heart, she says, to speak up to the library board and about how detrimental this was to show the movie. But then, should I remain meek? Should I show mercy as I hunger and thirst for justice? Um, any advice on how these three Beatitudes might play together in this particular situation, Father? Sure. I, I think to be meek doesn't mean to not express what we believe to be just and right you know so um i think it's helpful when we engage in those conversations i think it's worth it to express our our dissatisfaction with the way that our tax dollars are being used or the way that values that go against god's you know design for human happiness and life are being being offended um, but i also think we have to look and say well is this gonna is this gonna have the, the effect that that the Lord wants, right? Or am I just getting up and doing this? And and is there any reasonable expectation that this will lead to transformation? Um, and I'm not saying that that's the ultimate criteria, but we do have to consider that you know there are pro- there there are oftentimes uh, ways that we can use our energy that that don't lead to the kind of change that we expect. And if we use the the energy in other ways. It would um, it would be more effective. So no, we we should engage. We should hunger and thirst for righteousness, especially in these social areas. Uh, but then we discern how how to best address that publicly. Wonderful. Thank you for the response to that, Father. As we close down this second of the three day series, can may we have your blessing again, please? Heavenly Father, I ask you to look upon all of our listeners, make them meek and humble of heart. Give them a hunger and thirst for righteousness and make them your merciful instruments in the Lord. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Father Spencer. And as we get into tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to wrap up our series with the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those persecuted for righteousness' sake. So be sure and tune in for that as we continue on the search for happiness, a blueprint from the Beatitudes. Until then, grace and peace.